From tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. The Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel Kim Cunningham, meteorologist and social media manager at Agora Pulse Jen Watson, star of Tornado Hunters Greg Johnson, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network coordinator Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, Skywarn Storm Spotter and Chaser Bill Johnson. Hey, welcome everybody to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. This is the award-winning Stormfront Freaks podcast, and we are now on Pandora. Uh, Maz, you don't have to make any jewelry comments, but uh, we are on Pandora, so you can hear us there. (laughs) But uh, add that to, uh, we're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and a lot more. And if you ever want to go back and listen to any of our previous shows, you do have to check out our library. You can go to stormfrontfreaks.com and check out the back library. We've had guests like Vortex 2 meteorologist Karen Kasiba, uh, Monarch Weathers Crystal Egger has been with us. But tonight, this is episode 105, and we're excited to talk with Facets Program Manager and Social Scientist Gina Esco. Uh, is with us tonight, so we're excited about that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we're also going to have uh, a little Titan U Minute again, some hashtag weather fools, and we've got a new segment tonight, Have You Heard, uh, which Maz is going to be leading, so we're excited about that too. So we've Hopefully. got a lot of great stuff. Hopefully. But, uh, but we always got to find out uh, who's with us tonight, which of the co-hosts decided to show up. And so we do that by finding out what they're drinking. And I always introduce the fact that we're, we're laid back, like to have fun, uh, talk weather, but not get too sciencey about it, right? So let's find out who's here. MJ is here. What are you drinking tonight? Well, tonight I've invited the captain back for the evening. So. Yeah. All right. Very good. You and me both. Maz, Maz, uh, what you got? Got a Liney, Liney Kugel Summer Shandy. Oh, that's what I had last time. Wow. It's like 80 out today. It so. was good. Yeah. It was good. How about you, Dina? What are you drinking? I just have my Michelob Ultra. <laughs> I'm not a fancy my... <laughs> girl. I'm just not a fancy girl. <laughs> Very good. And then uh, we do have back tonight with us. Uh, uh, Brady is here. He's from. He's joining us from Florida, but uh, he's an atmos- atmospheric science graduate from Ohio State. But Brady, what are you drinking, Mr. Harris? You know, I'm drinking a skinny girl margarita. And before you say anything about that, I'm, I've been watching my calories down here, watching my beach figure, trying to keep it real down here in Florida. So, uh, drinking a margarita. All right. Wait, what's I'm, it called I'm again? Speechless. Skinny girl margarita. You guys never heard of that? Mm. It's I a look it. There's just, just look it up. Look it up. Okay. Oh, look it up. Is it, wait, is it pre-mixed? Is it pre-mixed? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right, can't for for those that can't make their own margaritas. That's uh, that's where you go. Hey, come on, I was all right. All right, Maz, uh, I'm going to turn it over to you so we can get to our wonderful guest. <laughs> all right, awesome. Thank you. Hey, Dr. Gina Esco is the social science and facets, which stands for forecasting a continuum of environmental threats. Program manager for NOAA's weather program office. That is one heck of a business card. I must be like six feet long. In her new role as fastest program manager, she is collaborating with the National Weather Service and OAR Labs to innovate the next generation watch and warning framework. Dr. Esco earned her MS and PhD in weather risk communication from Cornell University and a BS in environmental science and policy from the University 
of Maryland. You're right now like the smartest person in the whole, <laughs> in my entire contacts list right now. So, <laughs> so welcome. Glad to have you. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here tonight. So what does that, and it sounds like it, it would take you a year to describe what you do. Can you break it down real quick? And my friends would say it took me years to go to school to earn that title. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, my friends uh, from the University of Maryland said, are you sure you're out of school? I'm saying, I promise, I promise I graduated. Yeah. Yeah. So in a nutshell, I'm, I love meteorology, uh, but I was really fascinated with all the ways that you can convey scientific and technical information. And so I decided to go to school for risk communication and uh, study meteorology from a different perspective and how to convey it visually, how to convey uncertainty visually uh, and through a plain language to public audiences. So really, this is a lovely venue to be here tonight and what's share your, all of this with you. What's your favorite way to convey? <laughs> Oh, well, I'm Italian. So, I mean, hey, you know. Hi, Zahan. I, knew I, <laughs> hey. I knew I liked her. <laughs> so, I love nonverbal. <laughs> Gina, I, I have a question for you because here's where the Gina and Adina thing comes in because you yeah. want to convey things to the public, and that's part of my job. Um, I'm working on the Weather Channel digital side. So, part of what I try to do every day is, and I would like your opinion on how people best take in information because we do throw a lot at them. We try to make it simple. Yeah. Um, this is what we expect when, where, and when, but sometimes I think people lose it somewhere like, and we're every day I'm thinking, how am I going to make this different? I call it, it my, I call it the chicken dinner effect. Like, how am I going to make the same chicken dinner the same every night with a twist? <laughs> like exactly. But yeah. I mean, when you show severe weather, I mean, you're showing red when you're showing, you know, it's like, how can you give me anything you've learned that I could pass on? Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure we can probably share some of the, the, the challenges and successes together. I think the one thing we have to remember is that no two people are the same. Everyone's like a fingerprint. We're unique. Right. And so that means that we're going to process information differently and we may want it in a different form. Um, what I love about weather communication here in the United States, and I don't think a lot of people realize how different other countries are, is that while the National Weather Service is our primary source for issuing warnings, we have all this wide variety of information through broadcast meteorologists. And I see that as such a strength between the public and private sectors because um, the way warning communication works is there are many different steps. And one of the steps is confirming the warning. And so when the National Weather Service issues it, isn't it wonderful that we have all these broadcast meteorologists to help convey that and they can confirm it on their phone. Look, I've got multiple phones here. You can confirm it on a phone. You can confirm it online. You can confirm it in the way that, that you want to receive that information. So I think the challenge for broadcasters is there's no one size fits all, which means that um, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending upon your preferences, you kind of have to communicate in a myriad of ways. I'm impressed because if they were to ask me on there, can you confirm that warning? I'd be like, yes. <laughs> yes. So how do you like? Me. How do you go about doing that? Well, there are lots of different ways to do it. I mean, so when you receive a warning, what is the first thing you do? You're asking me. I look at the right. I, 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 go, outside. I go outside. <laughs> okay. So environmental um, cues is I one probably way go to, to radar. I probably go to radar first. Yeah, I go to radar first. Yeah. 
Okay, so you're you're going through an information seeking process, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's part of risk communication and part of risk communication theory in terms of what we know about how humans process information. We're going to seek out different ways to confirm it. So we've got uh, scientific technical information. We could go get data to confirm that, right? That's comfortable for for meteorologists. Right. Um, for for those of us who want to see the sky, um, there. I was checking my radar a little earlier. It's possible there could be a little something in my window over here. So we'll see if there's a big flash here and not just the ones on my earrings. Uh, but you could confirm, so environmental cues, and you could also go to trusted sources, of which many of you are trusted sources for your audiences. So there are a variety of ways to confirm the message. So Gina, I have a, I have a quick question. Um, would you say when you're looking to you know, aim the communication and aim kind of the industry and how we communicate, are you aiming at you know the, the simplest person that has no weather knowledge? Or are you kind of, is it like a tiered approach where you have people that have some weather knowledge? Or Because that's one thing that I've always struggled with is, is if you communicate to meteorologists, we would know what you're talking about, right? But if you're communicating <laughs> with the average person, mm-hmm. you say they don't even know what a watch or a warning is. So like how you tier that approach or how, like what's the research focused on? Yeah, so when I was doing more research and, and this role, I, I'm a bit more in science policy, but when I was mm-hmm. doing research, um, I would say my, my uh, major point would be people are important. Not a particular type of person, but just all people. People are important. So that means you you would set a research project uh, that would gather a variety of different types of people with different perspectives. Of course, you know we don't want to just survey all meteorologists because <laughs> we'd get a very skewed sample if we did that. Um, so yeah, you want to you want to try to get a variety of of folks to take your uh, to take your research survey or interview or focus group. And in some respects, you can tailor the information, but then what you try to look for are major themes that are shared amongst a larger part of the population. Because of course, you know, for your jobs, your mass communication for many of you, right? So you're, it's not one size fits all, which is why you've got to do the digital, the, the online, multiple things online, social media, your website, then you got to go to TV, right? So there are multiple different sources because one person isn't just going to use one. I, I often get my daily weather here, then I'll go online. I might put on the TV. We're going to get it in different places. And so, um, again, it's it's not one size fits all. We're very uh, heterogeneous. Heterogeneous. So I, Shouldn't use big words. <laughs> God, you're killing me. You are night. killing me. Wait, I need another sip of my beer. <laughs> I'm gonna take another sip of coffee. <laughs> so, so how does how does age how does age or generations play into all this? Because it's got to be like yeah. one goes one way, the other you got to do something completely different. Well, in, in some respects, there are are some features that are similar in terms of how we all process information is is very similar, right? In terms of how um, we are wired as humans. But sure, I, I'll use my dad. I don't know if my dad's listening, but if he is, my dad watches his TV nightly news. I mean, it, it's like a religion. Um, Harvey Leonard is one of his favorite broadcast meteorologists in the Boston area. Uh, so if my accent comes out, uh, my apologies, or, or you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he, he has to watch Harvey Leonard. He just, he has to watch, right? So there, there is sort of that, that pattern. Um, whereas I think I'm a bit more diverse in my sources, but then again, I study all of you. So I like to watch all of you real time. So uh, sure, there's definitely a diversity in terms of um, which generation is using which app. There's some data on that. Um, but I would say you can, I mean, my grandpa's a pretty savvy guy and he's 92. So he's he's got weather apps too. 
<laughs> um, so I think it, it just depends. 92. 92. Wow. Yeah. He did a rock and roll dance at my wedding in December. It was amazing. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm still bothered by you saying you're watching all of us. I know. <laughs> well, I didn't mean Got a like little that. creepy there for a minute. <laughs> she did say someone was at her window, I thought, earlier. <laughs> uh, it's a basement window. It's, yeah, I'm monitoring my environmental cues. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there we go. Gee, what's some of the cool things you, you guys think you got coming down the pipe from Bassett's and Noah that yeah. we, you could share? Oh, gosh, my colleagues in NOAA are doing fantastic research and developing some amazing, amazing tools. Um, I've got colleagues that are looking at new model information so that the public often hears about, you know, the, the GFS versus the Euro. But there are many more types of models than just the ones um, that you hear sort of uh, looking at our major hurricanes or nor'easters and, and things. Uh, of course, they're looking at all hazards. A uh, really neat uh, research called Worn on Forecast that's trying to detect rotation about an hour before a storm forms. And it's amazing. Obviously, we're, wow. we're working. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that amazing? That's an uh, the hour national before. An hour before trying to detect where maybe rotation could be. Yeah. So we have some amazing researchers at the National Severe Storms Laboratory in Norman. They're working on this research and development. It's amazing. They're doing great, great work. Uh, and that, that, of course, things like that could help us uh, tell emergency managers and storm spotters, oh, you know, that there's a lot of potential for giving people more time to prepare. Of course, we're trying to figure out with this research, the social science side is what is the optimal amount of time for people to prepare? And so we've realized that uh, about about 15 to 20 minutes is actually fairly ideal for a public, although we're still doing more research for that, partly because when you think about it, if you had an hour, a full hour of lead time, oh, you, would you, you wouldn't do it. You, you, yeah. You'd probably slack off. I'd be watching right. TV until 10 minutes before. Yeah. But, but what you could do is if you had an hour of heads up, situational awareness, now your mind is thinking about, oh, okay. Okay, if I didn't know where I was going to go for shelter, where would I go? This is one of the first things when we moved here just a few weeks ago. I, I sat down with my husband and I said, where, where do we shelter? That there's a, there's a basement room and then there's a garage. There's a bathroom. Well, should we get in the closet or the bathroom? The bathroom's next to the garage. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you, you got to assess where you're going to go. And so that hour starts to help you prepare and process, but you'll still need sort of that 15-minute lead time. But conversely, think about a hospital environment where, you know, that's a different decisional context. And so what FACETS is about, and some of the research that's happening across OAR, is we're looking at new tools and technology that help us characterize storm information. Warn and forecast is part of it. Uh, communicating probabilistically, but now that doesn't mean just throwing numbers at people, but what it means is that we're trying to characterize the possibility of what our atmosphere is doing so that we can give the best information to our publics and audiences so that they can take protective action um, and match it to their decision context. So there's some amazing efforts happening uh, within NOAA. I, I'm impressed. You give me an hour lead time. My ADD is kicking and I'm like, there's a sale at pennies. What's, and then I've already, <laughs> it's, it's gone. So gone. you do have to keep like, remind them, remind them. Yeah. It almost sounds like the difference between a watch and a warning. The watch would be the hour lead time and the warning would be the 15 minute lead time, correct? 
in fact, what it's doing is actually placing some information, our hope down, down the line when the researcher is ready, is that it'll actually fill some of the space between a watch and a warning. So at least for severe weather, a tornado watch can go out a few hours before storms produce, right? Again, this is all part of building situational awareness. And it also gives you all time to communicate that message to folks, to remind them, hey, we're in the window of severe weather. Um, keep thinking about that safe place. Where would you go? And there are different places. If you're home, you may know where it is at home, but are you out? Are you at work? You know, what are the things that you would like to do? So the watch gives you sort of that few hour, right? Mm -hmm. And then in the future, if we have a one hour, hey, actually, we can, we can narrow down spatially where, maybe narrow that because a watch is a, is a, is a big mm -hmm. area, right? Because Severe storms can be possible as, you know, in a, in a very uh, large swath of perhaps states or many counties, right? Uh, so that that new technology that's being developed will allow us to hone in a little bit. Um, these physical scientists are doing an amazing job to give more specificity to our publics and to our users. Do you ever, do you ever foresee in the future them, you know, we've had watch and we've had warning forever. Do you ever foresee them giving a name to that middle ground? And with what you're talking about there? So what I would say to that is as research develops, certainly new tools or new words in the future could emerge, uh, given that we're not quite ready for that. We don't have a word for it. But you mentioned earlier about the difference between watch and warning. And actually, there's a lot of research that suggests that there's more of our publics that actually understand those two words. Uh, it just sort of depends on, on where. So your audiences in Oklahoma, for example, are pretty well versed in tornado mm -hmm. watch and warning because they have a lot of experience seeing those terms. Um, you know, my family in Boston, for example, sometimes they'll give me a call. Okay, wait, which one? Like, oh, you're in a watch. That, that <laughs> you're watching the sky. You're what, Dad? This is a great time to watch Harvey Leonard. <laughs> right. um, Are you getting a kickback from him? <laughs> I swear I'm not. All right, all right. I grew up in Norwood, Massachusetts. Dick Albert actually was there years ago. God bless him. He, he passed away, I think, a few years ago. I was so saddened to hear that. Um, but uh, yeah, Harvey and, and Dick were sort of the the broadcast meteorologists I grew up with in the Boston area. So Gina, I got a quick question. Um, with any new and exciting research, right, there, there are bumps along the way and there are challenges. What do you guys think is going to be your biggest challenge with, you know, when eventually this comes out into the public and gets adopted? What do you guys think is going to be the biggest challenge there? Well, I think, you know, it's funny. When people talk about the difference between watch and warning, um, there's sort of this... Um, assumption that people don't understand. Like I said, the research actually shows that there's there's quite a bit of understanding. But one of the things that I say, the value of a program that's been around, as you said, for a very long time, is just that. That's the benefit. It's been around for a very long time. And so a lot of people are aware of, of that system. They're, they're fairly comfortable with it. They've created um, decisions around it, even if it's not ideally what we would want, right? Because we don't know their decision context. And so we need empathy uh, for their environment and the, the decisions they make. When you introduce something new, well, conversely, it hasn't been around a long time. So the hardest thing about introducing something new is the outreach and the training and trying to insert that new idea into your environment. 
Um, you know, the uh, way I like to talk about some of these things is um, if you have a trash can in your kitchen, have you ever moved it to a new location and you keep throwing the trash into the old location on the floor <laughs> or you throw it in the cabinet, but it's the trash can's no longer there. You moved it. You've got to create a new mental model. And so it's the same idea with moving the trash can is when you introduce something new, especially in the realm of risk communication, you've got to develop a mental model, a, a mapping of how you would use this new tool. So outreach, training, and placing it in context with your decisions, I think are some of the hardest things to do. You sound like my wife. Hey, <laughs> we moved the trash can. Whose pile is this? <laughs> Mine. I open, throw it in, close it. Oh, it's not in there. Move on. All right, Gina. So I've got a question before we uh, head to our first break, and it, it, it revolves around facets. I always thought facets was kind of one program, and the whole probabilistic uh, uh, of 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 severe weather and things of that sure. nature. But I'm I'm hearing from you. It's there's maybe different parts yes. of that entire program. So can you help me and others maybe understand what are the various parts or what areas certain segments of people are working on within that? Absolutely. Thank you. So facets to me is a framework where the physical scientists are trying to characterize our atmosphere probabilistically. So in other words, what are all the different scenarios that are possible? And probabilities are a mathematical way of helping us understand that. So what we're trying to do is take what's possible in our atmosphere through probabilities, marry that with your decision context, and create, in the end, meaningful information. So with that framework, you can apply it to anything. And so in this case, you can apply it to severe weather, to tropical, to hurricanes, to winter storms, to wildfires, any sort of environmental threat, environmental hazard uh, that can be characterized through probabilities and has an end user that needs to make a really important decision. Well, we can put those together and create a facets framework for it. So there's not one solution, there's not one product, not one program, but really a suite of people. Um, and it's a, a wide collaborative effort in NOAA. Uh, it takes a team to make things happen and we have one amazing team at NOAA. Is there is there any one of those that, or pieces of those that either has already been presented to the public or is gonna reach the public sooner than other portions of that? Or is it a one, you get one or nothing? Oh, it's definitely not one or nothing there. Uh, research at NOAA is constant. So there's a constant exchange of information between our researchers and uh, with our partners in the National Weather Service. But certainly I, I do not work for the National Weather Service specifically, uh, but knowing their product suite, a lot of their information is informed by probabilities. And so uh, there is a lot of that information that is out there already. Um, you can see it in uh, some of the snow probabilistic products during the winter time that's definitely in there. When you look at the Storm Prediction Center for severe weather, those categories that they have have underlying probabilities underneath the hood, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. So it, while you may not see the numbers, there's a lot of awesome mathematics that are happening behind the scenes. Dina, I got to say, <clears throat> I was on Weather Underground today. And because I was just like expanding out, oh, oh, look at some storms over on Des Moines. And I happened to just click on because all I saw were colors and I didn't know what was what. And I clicked on one and I was like, okay, oh, severe thunderstorm watch. And I scrolled to the bottom and I don't know when this started. Maybe I've been out of the loop for a while, but you're right. I started to see the probability of, 
and it went through large hail within this is this percentage one to mm -hmm. two tornadoes is this percentage and i was like where the heck was that i don't remember ever seeing that before has it been out for a while and I just didn't know it? I've just been drinking too much or what? No, I mean, plus Weather Underground and, and us are all together. We're all one big happy family. So a lot of the stuff we do, even on weather.com, goes to Weather Underground apps and and things. So there's a lot of stuff on there that can stay for a while. It's got some shelf life. So those type of things like severe probabilities will last right now because every day we've got some slight risk or enhanced risk every day so people can go back to it um but it it's funny because sometimes i go back to things i'm like oh what what is this i didn't even see this like <laughs> know. you know there's all kinds of good like especially things um that you can keep like those things that like i said have a shelf life cool. so gene are you working on that stuff too is that part of the Probable, pro oh, doggone it. <laughs> Probabilistic <laughs> framework. Thank you. Uh, those <laughs> products would certainly fall under a facets framework. But uh, again, I'd have to talk to my colleagues at the Storm Prediction Center to to uh, give you an accurate uh, reporting of their history. So I can find that out for you after the podcast. Well, can we get them on the phone now? Can we? <laughs> <laughs> well, they could be on the Twitter. We can put them in. Six person limit. All right. We'll tell you what, everybody. We're, we're going to take a quick break, get a refill. Uh, if you are listening to our edited podcast, uh, you get to enjoy a new Titan U Minute segment from Santa and the Tornado Titans. Uh, but for the rest of the year, we're going to be right back to play the lightning round with Gina. So stay tuned. Tornado Titans is where we capture incredible skies and we teach you to do it too. It's coming right for us. Get ready for the Titan U Minute. Hey everyone, it's Santa. So hey, it's mid-May. This is usually when prime time on the plains begins, which is the peak period for storm chasers to be doing their thing. This is the climatological peak of tornado season and really anything goes. Chasing in prime time is both easy and extremely difficult. So to help you through this next month, I'm going to offer up three tips for success from the mental aspects of the chase. First, don't ignore any setup. This is prime time. The days that look iffy can and will do incredible things. What, was, was that a ghost? I'm not really sure. But regardless, every setup should be carefully watched and considered for a chase, no matter how meager it looks. Second, remember that every day counts. So bring your A game. Carefully think through your chase plan each day and come prepared to make incredible things happen. For us, that includes thinking through the target, relevant roads, storm modes, storm motions, all these things you need to come with a plan every day. Lastly, don't quit when things go against you because they're going to. No matter if you are in the middle of a chase or finishing up a ruined chase day where you overthought everything and it all came crashing down. If there's a chase tomorrow or if there's a storm in reach, it's not over. What's done is done. You cannot fix that. But what you can fix, the storm's still to come. Go make it happen. Hey, we have a lot of great material on TornadoTitans.com. With over 20 hours of educational content, we've got something for every budding storm observer. Check us out on the web at TornadoTitans.com. We'll see you next time. All right, welcome back, everybody. We are with social scientist Gina Esco. And uh, Gina, my question is this. It's, to me, not that I would, that's an area I would want to 
spend my life in and communication and weather communication and stuff like that. But it is to me, it's a very intriguing and very interesting uh, area. And so my, my question for you is you've done a lot of stuff, obviously with no one, other entities. Um, what do you feel is either some form of weather communication that needs more involvement that you feel needs a little bit um, more attention or what, what is an area that you wish you could be more involved in when it yeah. comes to weather communication? Yeah. Well, I got a big smile on my face because uh, I think back to my dissertation research and for my dissertation research. So if you've ever watched a debate on TV, on CNN, Fox, MSNBC, Often you see a focus group with lines, you know, red for Republican, blue for Democrat, white for independents, and they the lines go up and down whether you agree or disagree. Well, that's not the type of research I did, but I used the technology uh, that allowed us to, to use dials to go up and down. And what I had people do was I had them watch TV broadcasts of weather, and they turned the dial up and down based on how much risk they feel. And what I wanted to know is all the different graphics that we show in weather, like radar images, velocity images. Uh, believe it or not, we do have more than that. And there are all sorts of ways that we communicate on TV. And I wanted to know what kind of effect it was having on our risk perception. So one of the things that I think uh, is a fun area of research that I enjoyed was how to convey uncertainty and how to convey risks without having photographs. So what my dissertation said in a nutshell, and this isn't too, too surprising, is photographs or live video coverage of a severe storm is far more uh, risk-inducing than a radar image. A radar image, uh, for those of us who understand it, it may sort of um, evoke sort of emotions of, oh, wow, that looks scary. But seeing an image of a tornado is more powerful. The challenge is, is that we don't always have photographic proof of our storms. Right, it might be too dangerous uh, to chase. Uh, you might be in an area where a you have a very large uh, tree coverage in your area, so you just can't see it, or it's rain wrapped, so you can't see it. So how do we convey risks that you can't see? Um, and a lot of that has to do with scientific uncertainty too. Uh, I often ask people, what color is uncertainty? If you were to draw uncertainty, what does it look like? And so I find this area of research fascinating. Um, and I'd love to hear from our, our, our online audience, what do they think? What color is uncertainty for them? Or what image comes to mind when I say the word uncertainty? So I think uh, communicating uncertainty is fascinating to me and uh, visualizing our information in a lot of ways. Is it gray? Is gray uncertainty? <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the live comments and I see a question mark. Um, I'm trying to see if there are any other comments before I say what my research said. Uh, I'd like gray. That's good. Mm, I think it's probably yellow. Uh, hey. Yellow can be stormy. Like see, I thought it was bright and yeah. sunshiny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's <Yellow>. true. <clears throat> so see, that's so different how we you've... think of things differently. So Maz might appreciate this. I had, I did have people draw as part of my research. This was year, this is like 10 years ago now, but I asked them to draw uncertainty. And the most interesting thing I saw is someone drew a picture of an airplane. And yeah, that's what I said. Wow. So I, I asked them, I said, why? 
<laughs> yeah. I, I'm just really, I'm, I'm curious, genuinely. Could we I'm crash? Curious. Maybe not. <laughs> it had to do with lack of control that you're not the pilot. And therefore I have to put all my faith in the pilot. And that gives me a feeling of uncertainty. I thought, wow, that, that's rather deep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, a lot indeed, of thought in that. <laughs> right. Um, but to the folks who are commenting, yes, a question mark was the most common image that people drew. Oh, okay. I thought it had to be a color. <laughs> oh, no. Well, gray, gray was the most popular color. Thank you. See, Maz, you're, you're right. Yeah. You're had right. I known question mark could have been an answer, it would have you been a question. You win, Maz. You win. <laughs> okay. I got a question for you here. So is there an inverse correlation at some point in time where the hype of a storm, because some broadcasters are very good at, as a calming effect and others you're watching and you're just, I don't know if you're riveted or you're just too yeah. afraid to turn off the channel. <laughs> Their anxiety levels too high yeah, to change the channel. <laughs> some news stations prefer to go one direction. Some, the other, have you found in your research where there's a point where the two kind of meet where there's that perfect kind of alleyway? I don't think there's any perfect one solution. I think it goes back to our publics. That's why I like to put an S on that. Our publics are all different. And so some people may be drawn to something that is a bit more energetic and excited and the storm is coming. And some people might want a very calm, serious tone. The storm is coming. I mean, you know, it, it, the idea is, and again, this points to the, the wonderful aspect of the diversity of sources we have here in the United States. And again, I say that because um, not all countries have a, a thriving private sector the way we do in the United States. It's amazing how different weather communication is in other places. And so I think that what people do is they find a station that they feel sort of matches what they're looking for. And I think that's why you see a lot of sources taking a different approach. You should run for that politics. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of like, even at the Weather Channel, when you have the normal upbeat, more hyperactive person on a day-to-day -day basis. And then when the stuff's hitting the fan, mm. you've got the calm. It, it That seems to be like almost what you're saying. But well, it some, is, you're right, though, one size does not fit all. Not at all. Not at all. I, I like to use my family as an example. I, I've got uh, a big Italian family, lots of aunts and uncles, and um, you know they all like different sources. And, and um, I love it when I was doing research in the past on hurricane communication, I took one of my academic posters and I presented it at Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and let's just say that the, the conversation was hilarious, but it also showed my uncles wanted something that was very funny, very humorous. And my mom was like, I would just like to know the very serious question. Am I at risk? <laughs> I, I hope that presentation was before the turkey and not after yeah, the turkey. Yeah, I was thinking that. And how many drinks have everybody had by the time <laughs> you've presented it? Well, again, a lot of Italians at one table. So there was a lot of hand motions. Do you have spaghetti, <laughs> spaghetti at Thanksgiving? Uh, uh, surprisingly, no. What? <laughs> My husband's family, who's also Italian, you got to be careful. There are multiple phases of pasta. So you. <laughs> Come on, man. Right, okay. So insensitive. So insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. So I, I want to ask a question, and, and it's going to go back a little bit, Gina, to, to what um, I had referred to a little bit earlier. But this this is a frustration. I think that a, a lot of people in the weather industry 
specifically when it when it comes to this entity, but it, it's probably all over the government, right? When it comes to the great ideas that I always hear about coming out of NOAA and the National Weather Service and the things that you guys are working on is always, I'm like, that is perfect. And man, they've got it and they're right on it. The challenge is always a year later, we're still talking about it. Two years later, we're still talking about it. Three years later, we're still talking about it. So and what I see happening is the private sector, right, starts, they're just in a better position to move and act, but but they see things too, very similar, and then they jump on it, right? They're right on it, they issue it, they've got it out. And, and then I, I hear the, oh, they shouldn't be doing their own warnings or they shouldn't be doing their own this or that, or it should, it should all come from NOAA or the National Weather Service. And, and I get that need for a consistent message. But when things are so slow to get out and there's a great idea and there's something good that we can do, you know, I also am on the other side going, but I think that's okay for someone to take advantage of it if they can make a decision to move on and, and, and do it. So my thought is from you, because you work um, with NOAA, is what, are those similar frustrations that you all have working with NOAA or the National Weather Service and or do you see any improvement in that coming in the future of being able to issue any quicker or get these things out sooner? So there's a, a lot of a lot of questions jam-packed in that. So uh, first of all, I love my colleagues at the National Weather Service, and it is a pleasure to work alongside them in NOAA. And as I said earlier, when I, I again, I think the strength of our weather communication here in the United States is that the National Weather Service officially issues warnings. And then this amazing private sector uh, distributes those warnings and puts perhaps additional information, uh, marries them to a decision context for a customer. It's, it's awesome. And so I think the strength is from that warning communication process perspective, the fact that confirming a warning is so vital uh, for risk communication. Again, I think that public public-private partnership there is a strength of our communication system here. Um, so that's a, yeah, so uh, I'll, we stop there for the moment. Now I hear I the crickets, Tina. Yeah. <laughs> 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 It zoomed back out, so I was like, oh, we're going we're gonna to shift. i sorry, I took a verbal, a nonverbal cue here. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't. Yeah. And, and if, if, yeah, if you've got more to add to that, certainly we would do. love to hear it, yeah. Sure. So I think your, your other question is really about research applications and, and moving into operations. And of course, I, I, can't, um, I can't speak for the weather service, but I'd like to give you an analogy. Because again, as a social scientist, what I'm most concerned about are people. And so that means our end user, so our publics, right, who are using information, you don't want to change anything necessarily too quickly when you have a system that generally works, right? Because our mission is saving lives. And so we know that we do that every day with the information we have. I was thinking about this earlier about research applications and imagine my, my husband loves to cook. He's an excellent cook. I'm allergic to basil. My husband is allergic to pepper two spices. I mean, we have to cook a lot because we can't use a lot of canned goods, you know, like soup. We can't have soup because too many spices. And I thought to myself, imagine that my husband's making dinner. And in the middle of dinner, I go, oh, this milk is better. You need to use this milk. But but honey, I already put in the milk. I know. 
but this one's better. But honey, I'm already an hour into making dinner. You, you can't just change the ingredients for what you're doing suddenly, right? And so I like to think about research applications and making sure that we're respecting all the humans in our process, all of our operational meteorologists. So there are lots of amazing ideas and I know that they're going to come to fruition and they are coming to fruition, um, but you've got to make sure you do your due diligence on the research side and make sure that you respect that operations is, they're saving lives every day. Um, and it does, it, it takes time. You, Personally, one of the, the questions I always have is if we change something, what, what's the risk of changing something? So it's, it's sometimes it's easy to see the benefits, but what are the risks? Um, if, we, if we change the word warning, this came up earlier, if we change the wor word warning to something else, will we lose all the people who know what warning means? And so you want to do your research and due diligence to make sure that the change that may look really shiny and wonderful is indeed going to get us a better outcome than what we currently have. And I think the change can't be overnight. Correct. You know, people are like, I know my husband, if I want to mess with him, I just move something. <laughs> just <laughs> moving it in a different place will mess with him. But it's like the change, like people finally get used to one thing. Like if you change an app or a website, it's like, why they change it? It was fine. You know, so I don't think people can take change quickly. So that's going to be interesting if we start changing our terminology and how we've talked about warning polygons and all kinds of things. It's going to have to be a little slow, I think. Yeah, what did you move, I, Dina? I'm sorry. What? I was going to say, what did you move, Dina? You didn't move like Oh, the I can move his Gatorade in the refrigerator and it totally messes up his day. <laughs> really? Okay. Oh, yeah. If I Come ever want to make him crazy, I just move it around. Coming out of the bathroom at night with the lights off. And if you move the bed, I am stubborn. Dina, that is devious. That is devious. Where's my oatmeal? It's in there. Oh. All right. Well, hey, that is the sound on that cue. Uh, it is time for our lightning Ooh. round. So this is our game show of flashy and brilliant questions. We always get to play with our guest. We... We invite all of you to play along as well. And, and tonight, I, I want you to know we're, we're going to play a fun game. I found this the other day. It's called Weird Things Humans Search For. Ooh. Oh, boy. So oh, weird God. things hmm. humans search for. And this is an actual game. Uh, it is a uh, card game, wow. board game, whatever you want to call it. But uh, I actually got it at Target, so it's... it's uh, it's readily available, but here, so here's what it is. So it's, it's what I'm going to do is Gina, I'm going to give you the first part of a search. Oh boy. <laughs> and then I'm going to leave the last part blank. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to quick go to each of the co-hosts and I'm going to ask them to pick what they, what they would pick. Cause I have a list of the top 10 searches, um, oh, that wow. would follow whatever the first part of the sentence I give you, right? Okay. And and so all the co-hosts can kind of give what they think uh, it might be in the top 10. But it's ultimately going to, Gina, come down to you. You can pick one of them that they might have offered, or you can pick your own. Okay. But as long as it's one in the top 10, uh, we'll give you points. Oh, Does that make well. sense? Points are great. Okay. Yep. Well, so, so this, yeah, you just want more points. You get you points. Get. That's the, all right. the name of the game. <laughs> So here's the first one. Uh, here's the first search. Why do old people dot, dot, dot? Why do old people dot, dot, dot? And so these are searches, Google searches. And the top 10 of why do old people something, the top 10 uh, searches are 
on the board, so to speak. And MJ, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what g- give a give a suggestion uh, suggestion Ooh. to Dina, uh, Gina? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's why totally do, we did it. <laughs> why, why do old people what? Old people. Um, what do you think people might be searching up on that? Why do I, why do old people squint? Squint. Okay, <laughs> Dina. What do you think? Why do old people? Why do old people still read the newspaper? Okay, Brady. Oh, like Why do old people not exercise? All right. <laughs> Math? Wear depends. Why do they wear depends? Mm-hmm. Why do they wear depends? Okay, so there, there are some options for you, Gina. You could choose to take one of them uh, or come up with your own. Uh, but uh, I will let you know what the top 10 are. But go ahead. What, what do you want to do? Why do old people... See, as a social scientist, I want to classify what, what old means. But I, I think about my grandma... <laughs> Why do old people always try to feed you? See, I'm oh, Italian. Why do they want to feed you? Okay. Ooh, that's a good one. That is not in the top 10. Here, here was the 10. Why do old people shake? Uh, get oh. cold. Fall. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Why do oh, old people good. fall? Oh, I was going to say fall. Why do old people fart so much? Oh. Yeah, I, they don't I didn't want to say that. Why do old people have big ears? Uh, why do old people drive so slow? Uh. Move to <laughs> oh, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> get shorter sleep less and shuffle those are your top 10 oh, so okay. no points right, Eugene right. on that one here's the next one so, so some of our, our audience is playing along by the way and, and some of them oh, got good. those so Gina oh, you I can get that. some cues from them too okay oh, see some people agree Cheating. with me about the food alright so here, here here's the next one is it weird to like what blank is it weird to like what G- uh, Dina? I'm going to start with you. Give her oh, a suggestion. Oh, you started with me. Yep. Is, it, is weird it weird to like, to like cloudy days? Okay, uh, Brady. Cats. <laughs> Maz. Body odor. <laughs> oh, okay. God. Uh, MJ. Guinea pigs. Guinea pigs. Okay, Gina, you can take one of those. Good luck. <laughs> um, maybe one of our our folks that are chatting in, or or take your own. Is oh, it I'm weird t- to like? What do you think is searched oh, more? Oh, I like often? Logan's. I'm trying to. Oh, wow, man. Uh, well, okay. I'm probably not going to get any points for this, but I'll get husband points. So my husband really does like cats. So is it weird to like cats? Is it weird to like cats? Oh, that's good. What? Oh. Oh. Uh, is it weird to like the smell of your own bo? There you go. Maz. Had yeah. that one. That was that's scary. Uh, your cousin. Is it weird to like your cousin? Uh, the smell of your farts i think someone had that on there one of our uh, i like the pineapple on the farts man uh feet feet was on there and uh garrett i I saw pick that one uh k-pop is it weird to like k-pop anime (laughs) pain the smell of your balls (laughs) wait these are actual searches yes they are and the last one is old pictures on instagram (laughs) <laughs> all right here, here we go next one Gina's like i gotta go now <laughs> what uh really what, what kind Eastern of yet? underwear what kind of underwear do here we go dot 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 what kind of underwear do dot 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 what brady stretch over your head what kind of underwear do you stretch over your head okay maz what kind I, of underwear do this is a search right you're okay. trying to get oh, information yes what, what kind, kind of underwear, of underwear do? do elves wear Elves wear. Okay. It's good. MJ? Uh, do cool people wear? 
Cool people. <laughs> okay. Uh Dina? Oh, uh, what kind of underwear doesn't leave panty lines? Uh, doesn't leave panty lines. Okay, good. Yeah. And so, Gina, there's some suggestions. Mm. What do you think? Wow. Um, okay, so I'm going to sit here. <laughs> I, my, my niece is uh, two, and she's going through potty training. Um, so perhaps what kind of underwear do toddlers who are – you know, potty training wear. Oh, good. Oh, that's, that's good. good. Okay, that's yeah. a good one. But that's not oh, on there. Yeah. Uh, so Sorry. here, what kind of underwear do Uh-oh. you wear? What kind oh. of underwear do clouds wear? What? 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 Uh, that's weird. Uh, what? Weather like. What kind of underwear do guys like? What kind of underwear do oh, gay guys like? Uh, underwear do you wear under leggings? What kind of underwear do Marines wear? Uh, hey. What kind of underwear Wait, I do, you, know that. do you wear oh in jail? My God. You can look it up. Uh, what do <laughs> basketball players wear? What kind of underwear do you wear to the gym? And of course, what kind of underwear do the Amish wear? Amish, <laughs> of course. Wow. Why did you not get that one? All right, thousands, last one. Thousands of people. Last one. Here we go. Okay. Do I have a small? Oh my what? God. What? Do I have a small? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Maz. Come on. Do I have a small nose? Okay, no. MJ. That was mine. (laughs) Mouth. 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 (laughs) Dina. I gotta go with ass. Do I have a small ass? Okay. Brady. I don't know. Toes. Toes. Do I have small toes? Okay. Good luck, Gina. So, Gina, take those. I don't want to answer this. Come come up with your own. It just has to be in the top ten. Business card. (laughs) 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 What do you think? Do I have a small? What's searched a lot? Yeah, well, clearly I have no points, so. (laughs) Nowhere to go but up. Is there a pass button on this? That, no, there's, there's no, no There's nowhere to go game. but up. That's, there's no that's winners. We're all losers in this one. There's so. <laughs> oh, a good one on the live comments, Gina. Check, check one of those. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I saw. Way to go, Garrett. Yeah, I see it too, Garrett. Garrett's got a good one. Yeah. What do you I'm think? Time, time for an answer. I mean, I got to pick something extraordinarily safe here uh, for, <laughs> for my for my own reputation. Uh, I don't know. We'll go with, do I have a small nose? Thank you. Do I have a small nose? Bravo. And that is in the top 10. Congratulations. Glad you're not Joan Jack your reputation. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. So uh, so here was the top 10. Uh, Garrett had it right. Do I have a small bladder? Bladder. That was good. Uh, Do I have a small frame? Oh, yeah. Uh, Do I have, which might be something else. Maybe that's. No. Pleasant no. way to say it. Do I have a small head, face, yeah. Yeah. mouth, waist, stomach, chin, nose, and package? Huh. So there you go. there's your, uh, no there's your way to say it. 
Uh, ass was not there unless that's no, part of frame. No, it was too small. It was too small. A small too frame. Small. <laughs> okay, so uh, great job. You got a point out of that. That was, that was outstanding. It's blue having Gina back again. So. Uh, so, so Gina, do us a favor and tell us how people can find you on social media, follow you and everything else, because I guarantee you people are going to want to hear more from you. Yes, they are. Sure. I'm on the Twitter at uh, WX. It's a short term for weather at W-X-C-O-M-M. I like to call it at Weathercom. Oh, cool. Okay. Very good. Okay. So that's awesome. So tell you what, we're going to go ahead and take our final break. Uh, We're going to be right back with our famous Weather Fools and our new Have You Heard segment. Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Brady Harris, and I'm a co-host on the Stormfront Freaks podcast, the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening device. Here's a message to get you weather ready. So the spring season is here and we want you to prepare for spring weather threats, which include thunderstorms. So a popular phrase we all say is when thunder roars, go indoors. Now lightning strikes the United States about 25 million times a year. And although most lightning occurs in the summer, people can get struck during any month. So on average per year in the United States, lightning kills an average of 47 people and there are more that are severely injured. So for more information on this, please visit NOAA Weather Ready Nation website at weather.gov slash WRN. Hi, this is Dr. Karen Kasiba. You're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Let's take a drive under the moon. Let's take a drive under the somber sky. Let's take a drive under the moon. Welcome back. It's that time of the show we call Weather Fools. Hashtag Weather Fools. It's that part of the show where we kind of share videos and things of people we see doing kind of stupid things in the weather. And, you know, we want to make fun of it a little bit. You know, everybody's got a camera now, so you're going to get caught doing it. So we do have a couple weather fools. I know, Phil, you've got a couple to share. I do. So the first one I'm going to share, so it, it's great because we're finally getting some some nice weather here. Uh, but we've recently had, there's been some snow and, and cold weather recently. And so this uh, this is a video of some golfers that are actually enjoying, I, I don't know if they're enjoying a round of golf, but this was Mother's Day weekend and they're playing golf in the snow. <laughs> Why not? Um, There's no stopping them. So it, it's, it's obviously not. My question is when they tee off on the next hole, are they going to be able to find their ball? Right. See it. Right. It's fine to see it when you're on the green and you're just putting 20 feet in front of you. But, <laughs> it's uh, better than lightning. Wow. So, yeah, so that, that was kind of crazy. All right, this next one's kind of funny. I, I don't know if it's a weather fool, but it's funny. But uh, this was a tweet, and it just showed a dust devil. Uh, but there was a dog trying to oh, attack the little it. dust devil. Very nice. Oh, hey, there it is. And ah. the dust devil would pop up, and the dog would pounce on it, and it would disappear, and then it'd pop up about two feet away from him. And there was I a little game that. he was playing That's with awesome. the dust devil. Haven't you so, always wanted to do that, though? Yes. Yes, yes. of course. It's kind of funny. It is funny. All right. That is cool. This next one comes from Mexico. And this was uh, this was a tornado recently down in Monterey, Mexico. Uh, found this on Twitter. And the challenge was, is the it was a very close tornado. 
but the person filming it, you can see, is just inside a store or something like that. It was just surrounded by glass windows. Full of glass. Oh, yeah. As they're filming this. And there is debris flying oh, all over the place. Roofs are getting taken off. That's a little close. So probably not the smartest place to be no. uh, filming this tornado. Jeez. No. And, and I'm just going to have to ask, Gina, would you agree? <laughs> Well, <laughs> she's nice. we, we, we do encourage people to get to their safe room and we often suggest to get as many walls between you and the outside as possible. I think that uh, when we were talking about warning communication earlier and confirming the threat, um, sometimes people can be in a moment of, of shock um, and want to confirm that environmental threat. But yes, we do encourage people to take protective action. Right. Wait, they weren't just confirming. We don't know. We weren't there. We don't know. She's right. <laughs> all right. It's so the then kinder, the last, last one I got for you is uh, also on Twitter. And this looked like it was a um, uh, flooded uh, bridge area or road where a creek had flooded over. And it was moving water. This sucker was moving. And there were people oh walking gosh, yeah. and about to drive their uh, bicycle across this water wow. and sh and whoever that was in the raincoat walking through that could have easily gotten swept away oh, yeah. that water's moving but yeah it is so, so that person was the weather fool but then the person in the bicycle look what they did uh -oh. turn around turn around i'm not gonna do that um he said that guy's a weather fool and turned around wait he wasn't getting like a running start was he <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't believe so okay. i don't think so so, Gina, any any comments on that one? Uh, you had someone who maybe shouldn't have been doing what they were doing and someone who did do what they were supposed to do. So, from just picture, <laughs> I'm just a big believer in that we don't know their situation, uh, right? So, I, I, you know, I always tell people, you know, think about since we weren't there and we don't know, might they have had emergency on the other side? And it was, well, am I either going to cross this or, or there's going to be a different type of emergency. So either way, you know, so I, I just like to have a lot of empathy when I see things like that, that we don't know. But of course, if you see moving water over a road, we definitely, uh, we encourage you to turn around. Don't drown. Okay. Gina, Phil keeps trying to pull you back in. I'm a social scientist at my core. You got to have empathy. Yeah. You, you don't know. Okay, so here's one that I'm going to go next just because of that. Uh, I'm going to share my screen. I hope it's um, the one you showed them. And oh, this not. is the one. They're stuck on a piece of ice. Now, okay, now I take your point. Maybe we don't know what they were Whoa. doing. Maybe they, maybe <laughs> it broke off and they got stuck. Yeah, we don't. Or maybe they just wanted to take a little ride down the river on a piece is that, of is ice. Is that Buddy the Elf? Is he taking a <laughs> <piece> <laughs> <of> <laughs> ice to... Oh, that's so funny. That's a big so river. Kind of, yeah, kind of hard big. to believe they. Kind of hard to believe they didn't know something was up though. Wow. Yeah, and it's you know it's not like it looked like one big sheet that maybe they were trying to ice fish or something. Right. But I'm trying to take the Gina approach that maybe yeah. they um. You know, we don't know their wow. circumstances. They were helping stretch. a penguin cross the road. That's, That's what they were doing. You never know. But that was a big river. It was faster than taking the car to the hospital, probably. Wow. Yeah. 
All right. I think uh, MJ, you've got a weather fool, right? Or from the viewers or the, I, I have, the I have two, I have two of them that come from our, uh, our, our audience folks. And the first one was shared by Evan Fisher. And here's another classic. If I can get it to play, here's another classic. Uh, a lot of people driving through uh, a flooded area, they probably shouldn't. And I don't know that they all had emergencies that meant they had to go through it because there's about a half a dozen or more cars that are going through up to their, uh, uh, headlights yeah. in water. So, you know, just another classic. Um, but I am going to be really interested in hearing what people have to say about this one. And this was shared by Jay Bigham. Uh, Jay is painting. And if I can get it to play, you watch this carefully. Oh. There are construction workers on top of a house under construction mm -hmm. and they're doing roofing. And this is the wind is incredible, but you just keep watching as they try to hang on and see, watch, did you see those fly by? You watch the panels, oh. uh, four by eight sheets, probably flying by. And it just keeps on going. And pretty quick, it gets so rainy, you can't see hardly at all. But wow. you, I think you see one of them trying to grab or hold on <laughs> to a sheet. Yeah. So it's. I'd uh, almost want to get in the those roof rafters and get under it or something. Oh, my or gosh. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's crazy. So anyway, that's uh, there you go. When the roof right. absolutely positively has to be done by noon. Got to do what you got to do. And I think we're going to, the last one we have is from Brady, right? I think so. Yeah. There was a music cue there, but, uh, but yeah, so, so my weather fool this week, um, I don't have a video or anything like that, but um, like I mentioned earlier, I'm down in Florida and there's a, a wildfire pretty close. So it's been really, really smoky. Um, and I took a run yesterday and not only is there a wildfire, but also the beaches are closed. And as I'm walking by the beach, you know, I see a group of about 20, I think they're about 20 to 25 year olds. They're there partying on the beach with ash raining from the sky. Oh so my not God. only are they violating social distancing, but they're also like, there's a wildfire close and they're, you know, they're like coughing. And I'm just like, these kids are just, I don't want to say they're idiots, but they were idiots. So those kids, and I was I know. Just like, and I'm just like, it, it looks like the end of the world. And there's just, there's a, <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was shocking to me. So I you should have taken video. I yeah, should have taken a picture. I didn't have my then phone. You could with share me. it. I didn't have my phone with me. All right. Well, if you want to see any of these uh, weather fools, just go back to the Stormfront freak show notes, episode 105. Very good. That was awesome. Uh, so we've got a new segment we're going to introduce tonight. So I, one of the things I'm going to be doing, and Maz uh, was the victim of the initial request, <laughs> but I'm going to be going around the horn and asking all of our co-hosts to start coming up with an idea for a new segment we can add to the show. And so uh, Maz, uh, this was Maz's tonight, so he's going to fly or sink, I guess, with this. Yeah, uh, really. Well, but, especially so, so tell us, tell us your idea. It's been a year since I've screen shared, so <laughs> skeletons don't come up. So I hit screen share and then go to it, right? Dude, go. Do you have to share it or can you explain it? All right. All right. All right. I'll just, I'll cancel. <laughs> so, so basically y'all heard that the coronavirus has, has grounded planes, right? So there are, I understand that there's about a hundred, 102,000 planes that fly every single day. And many of those are actually collecting weather data. Well, since we're down, to, I think there's only about 5,000 planes a day that are flying, and many of those are like cargo planes at night. We are losing a lot of our data. 
Now, in the United States, it's they've projected it to be about a 15% drop in accuracy from some of the forecasts, um, even for like the euro, the euro. But it's most dangerous for those third world countries that don't have a whole lot of data points. And so they're very concerned about the upcoming uh, flood seasons and, and things like where the forecast could be completely out the window because they just don't have the data in those areas. You, you know, you're computer programs only as good as the data going in. So what are they going to do? By the way, this is mm. called, did you hear? <laughs> did, did you hear? I, I think that's, that's also maybe good to, for Gina because uh, working, you know, where, where data is, all that data is very important. Um, have, have you guys talked about that at, at NOAA headquarters or has that come up? I'm sure it has. Unfortunately, I don't have the information for that at this time. We stumped you. Way to stick her on yeah. the spot, man. That's so sorry. It's I'm... confidential. She well, can't so Dina, you're it. next because uh, you're you're the one using this stuff on a daily basis. I'm going to stump you next. The Enas. Well, I mean, in the United States, we have so much stuff. Right. I, I don't see any lack of anything right now. So unless I'm going to look for something internationally, I mean, we got satellites, we have radars, we have all kinds of stuff observation points, weather balloons. I don't see a difference yet. Matt, Maz, did you say it said anything about like a percent difference? It was a 15% drop in accuracy okay. is yeah. what but they were where, suggesting. Where, Maz, did it say? Like, not well, if I could States, share my it? screen, I could tell. <laughs> it says share screen at the bottom. So I think I've heard of this. I, th I think it's the, like the, general performance of the GFS versus like the, like how they generally mat measure model performance. It's actually on um, NPR.org just to let oh, you know. Oh, it is? Okay. Yep. But, but my guess is like, for example, if I was a broadcast meteorologist on TV, just going into the winter, going into the summer for any sort of forecast that I would have, I would just have less, a little bit less confidence, right? Because you guys are right with less data, you're going to have less confidence in your forecast, you know, before you may be able to call a snowstorm three or four days out. Now, I mean, it could make the difference of maybe one or two days, right? So I would just, if I were an on-camera TV meteorologist or even someone on the National Weather Service, to me, I would just say, all right, I've got to be a little bit less confident in my forecast, you know? Yeah, it says the WMO uh, says it's concerned about the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the quantity and quality of weather observations and forecasts. NOAA officials say while it's too early to tell, the drop won't necessarily lead to less accurate weather reports since they're finding ways to compensate. But mm -hmm. it does go on to say weather forecasts in Europe are facing the same decline. Uh, European mm -hmm. Center for Medium Range Forecast reports an 80% drop in meteorological readings due to cancellation of commercial wow, flights. 80. That's a that's big, big. Yeah. yeah that's according, big. according to the study, removing all aircraft data from weather models reduces the accuracy by 15%. So, yeah. Hmm. But it's mostly for, it says, in other parts of the world are at risk. Most U.S. weather monitoring stations on the ground send information automatically, but in many developing nations, that data is collected manually by observers Radar stations are still few and far between in some countries. So the potential, potentially a big concern uh, through the seasons of floods, hurricanes, and other weather-related disasters where early warnings are critical. Hmm. So yeah, I'd have to imagine it's much, are fine. <laughs> yeah, much less of an issue for us 
yeah. right. in the U.S. Right. than because no, I haven't noticed. Countries. I haven't really noticed it. It's like but, the thing that we're watching in the Atlantic, like near Florida, developing. That thing's been. I came in Monday and it was nailing it already. So good. Well, very good. Well, that's a good segment, Maz. Have you heard? I uh, like that. Yeah. Uh, we are yeah. going to go ahead and... Send me a postcard. Drop me a line. You've got mail, baby. Yeah. Jump to, uh, jump to <laughs> our freak fan box, MJ. All right. Here we go. Jeremy Perez checking in with us saying, Blazing sunset over the neighborhood tonight at the end of an excellent Stormfront Freaks podcast with Lori Grace. Cue that up for a watch when it comes out. So thanks, Jeremy. Glad you enjoyed it and had a nice sunset that evening. Uh, Hank Villetstra also was listening to our Lori Grace episode. Uh, great photos, Lori. You might have been my all-time favorite interview on Stormfront Freaks podcast this week. That was outstanding. Thank you, Hank, for yeah. checking in with that. And we'll finish up with Ben Williams, who said, love the podcast. Keep up the good work. So thanks, Ben. Thanks, uh, we, guys. Yeah, we welcome all your comments and feedback on Facebook at Stormfront Freaks or Twitter at Stormfront Freak or at stormfrontfreaks.com. That's the Freak Fan Box for this week. Very good. That's awesome. Well, I think that just about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks Podcast. Thanks for listening or watching. And before I announce our next show, again, uh, we appreciate all the reviews, as MJ said, uh, especially anything on Apple Podcasts that you can write. Uh, we'd love to share those. But also, don't forget to subscribe to the show. I mentioned at the top of the show all the various uh, podcast players that we are on and each one of them whatever you're listening to us on there's some kind of a subscribe or follow button that you can push and when you do that it just guarantees uh, for free no cost right you're going to get the very next latest episode in your inbox uh, the moment that that gets released i do want to say a special thanks to our guest tonight gina esco gina thank you so much hey, thank you gina. <laughs> You were outstanding, and uh, if you are listening to us, I do encourage you to go back and watch uh, Stormfront Freaks Raw on YouTube of episode 105 because uh, Gina has a lot of hand movements and, and <laughs> is, is great visually as well as uh, audio. So um, our next episode, and I want to play this quick. All right, so if you've got Cabin Fever, our next episode, it's going to be a special one. Uh, we're going to be recording live on YouTube and Facebook Live on Thursday, May 28th at a special time of 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, as we create a movie commentary for Twister. So we're going to be getting together and watching Twister and uh, sharing a little movie commentary that you can listen to when you watch the show yourselves. And I guarantee there'll probably be a few laughs um, we might talk about uh, famous weird things humans search for. <laughs> Who knows what it'll be. But oh, for man. MJ, Maz, Dina, Brady, and for Gina, I'm going to go ahead and signal the all clear, and we're going to catch you guys next time. Hey, good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our bi-weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app. And watch our live and recorded shows on YouTube. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you are there, check out our live interactive storm chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. 
If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.